You are the podcast master. What's up, everybody? It's Matt. I'm still in Las Vegas. Hope you guys are having a great day. Hope everything's good in your world. I know everything's great in mine, and I am on day number two of 10 days, 10 podcasts of the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, so continuing to try to get one out each day during the NFR. Um, had a great conversation with Brett Gardner on day number one. Day number two is a, a good friend of mine, a guy that our very first conversation, the, the first time we met, he told me he was a listener to the podcast, and I said, man, we got to get you on uh, as soon as we can. I'm glad that we got delayed in that because I got to know the guy even better. I got to know more about his personality and got to realize just how dadgum funny he is and what a great guy. A little bit of a throwback to an old school kind of cowboy, and I think that that's what makes him even more endearing to fans in all of Western sports. That's right. I said Western sports, whether it's bull riding, whether it's rodeo. This is a guy who... uh, I think everybody can be a fan of. He's a, Joe Frost is qualified in the Wrangler National Finals five different times. Now he's a PBR Finals world, world qualifier. Um, he's a cowboy, man, and uh, he's a funny son of a gun. You're going to hear that in this conversation. I cannot wait uh, for more people to start hearing the characters that I get to be around each and every week. So Joe, he swung by the Rural Cloth booth, sat down, had a conversation with me there at Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's Hunter and Outdoor Christmas. If you're coming to Las Vegas, come to the convention center, second floor Rural Cloth booth at Rural Cloth USA. Follow me. Uh, shoot me a message. Tell me you're coming to town. Matt L. West. I'm easy to find. Hit me up. We'll hang out and say hello. So, uh, that's it. Short, sweet, and to the point on all these intros for the next uh, eight episodes now, in- including this one, nine. So, ten podcasts in ten days during the Wrangler National Final. Here is my conversation with professional bull rider Joe Frost. Seven to bed, to bed, and now eight. Say it again. <laughs> Did you see me hit the record button in the middle of that? I didn't. You, uh, do you auctioneer? Yeah, I do do a little bit auction. Really? Like... Just for fun? Do you do it? Uh, started out kind of just for fun when I was in high school. My best friend and I kind of started piddling around with it and done a few fundraisers at, like for FFA and student council and stuff. And then it, my dad had done it. And so we uh, we started doing like the the livestock show, county fair stuff. And then we actually, and some just some charity deals. We done a deal that was pretty fun the other night, Monday, uh, Trees for Charity deal they had there in Vernal. I saw that. I saw you posted something about and that. And it was it was pretty awesome. We sold 41 trees and a combined total of $233,000 that went to just efforts to help families and causes right there in, in the Uinta Basin, just in our community. Now, when you say selling trees, are you talking Christmas about... Christmas trees. Okay. Christmas, decorated Christmas trees. Christmas okay. trees you know, like... So, so, say, you know, just somebody breaks their back. Right, or right, right. Something bad happens. Uh, a local business will they'll decorate a tree and donate it, and then you know everyone gets to get they have the big dinner and di- and then that they sell that tree. Yeah, in yeah, you know for that cause, dude. That that is so awesome. And the older I get, the more I have started trying to seek out things like that. The more I want to try to help other people, and I don't know if it's just I, I feel like I'm getting older and I'm getting closer to somebody. <laughs> somebody needing to help me or what it is but I, I think that's so cool that you do that we see a lot of of guys utilizing you know different skills and talents you know i had no idea you could auctioneer and nobody knows that i can 
kind of half-ass auctioneer oh, just it, enough to get by it's a lot of fun it it's i mean outside of bull riding and stuff like i enjoy things i enjoy almost on two sides of spectrum things that adrenaline things and super relaxing things whether it's leather work or well isn't that weird it's like a teeter-totter but i love that auctioneer and i mean it gets my motor running it does like and and i don't like um being an auctioneer but i love to work the ring i love to catch bids because i become a character yeah you know and you get into it and i used to do one auction a year believe it or not and it was i don't i don't know it coincidentally it was the miss rodeo america auction and um you know i had to go sit around with what 25 30 rodeo queens when i was younger you do what and, you got to do and you, you know? probably hated it yeah yeah i mean but but you sacrifice <laughs> to help others and so we would like i'd run out yeah and start, i was being sarcastic i know trust me <laughs> uh which is which is part of why i love you because you have such a, a unique sense of humor that i wish everybody like i wish everybody could experience it firsthand um She's over here laughing. She doesn't want to talk. Okay, I'm looking back this way. Um, but, yeah, you'd run out there, and I'd start massaging some old lady's neck and shoulders, trying to get another $100 out of them. It's fun. Like, when you make it fun, it's uh, it's it's way different than people imagine. Oh, it is. And and my best friend that, that was helping me auctioneer that deal, like I said, we learned together. And just a, a little bit of backstory on him. He uh, great kid, great person, love him. He's dumb. <laughs> he. I wonder if my parents say that about me. And I mean that in the nicest way. You know, just all through school, you know, he, math wasn't his best subject. So if you can imagine auctioneering, especially when his right. mother gets running, the whole counting thing goes out the window. And on top of all that, so he actually got in a, he started riding bareback horses years ago. And anyway, he's gotten a bad accident, broke his back, paralyzed, oh. 3% chance to walk. Well... He's walking. That's awesome. So he does a lot of public speaking and stuff now. And, in fact, last year they at that Trees for Charity, they done a big deal for him, sold a tree for him. And so now and now he's helping give back right. yeah. with that and, and kind of getting to be a part of that and witness how much that That's helped so cool. him. Uh, but at that deal, so he he was having the hardest time counting. I mean, it was bad, but he was – I mean, he had – like you was talking about, he was he's being a character. He had the crowd yep. – just going nuts but i mean he was coming over here and getting thirty five hundred dollars and then going and asking the other guy for twenty five hundred and i'm going no no thirty seven fifty and so i but afterwards he comes and tells me he goes i I realized something about auctioneering it's just like my public speaking nobody cares what you say they don't care about your story i mean he says it it helps a little but they just care about how you make them feel, you That's know. Right. So he says, "I can get them. Exci- I can just go get them people excited, and, and they don't. They don't even hear the numbers." And I'm like, "Okay, I, I, I just, I'm. I guess I'm too much of a perfectionist." And <laughs> but, but to a point, yeah, there was nobody going. That he wasn't asking for twenty five hundred, and that guy wasn't confused. He was just. He was just excited to say yes. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it was. Exactly. But it was. It well, was and those good auctioneers, fun. they'll jump the opposite direction. Oh yeah. Well, that's, jump that's the direction I like to jump. Yeah. And I told him, I'm like, it's just fine to jump, but but don't go backwards. So. That was the hardest thing for me. Was that whole, you know, the one, two, three, four, five. I got. But when they started going five, ten, one, 15, two and a half, yeah. five, quarter, seven and half, half, 75. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, come on. Like, I struggled to get through math as a kid anyways. Um, 
But uh, so, do you have big chicken auctions? Oh no! Okay, yeah, yeah, I had the to bring it up. The chicken thing has gotten so blown out of proportion. My poor brother goes on Flint's show today. We go down <laughs> there and watch him, and he he now Josh has nothing to do with the chickens other than he did come help us kill seventeen of them, and he came and ate some of them, and he feeds them when we're gone, and he's home. But like, but other than that, he has but nothing other than to do that, with them. He's not like, he, yeah, but it gets brought up while well, he's on stage doing his deal. Nothing to do with me, and of course the chicken deal gets brought okay, up. Okay, you got you got to catch me up to speed because honestly, I don't know anything about it. I just know that uh, during the PBR finals, you were on Flint's show outside the barrel, and I know that when we got to the building that night, sitting in the dressing room, Flint was crying. He was <laughs> laughing so hard. Hours later, because uh, of Joe and his chicken stories. Oh, well, I guess that I think the thing that people get a kick out of is the fact that i i mean they asked me about it and i think they assume that i'm gonna say oh yeah we got some chickens but i i don't but why I, would you stop I tell there? them i i tell them the truth and the, so this what happened is when we got married i wanted chickens i love eggs i eat yeah. you know yeah. eight ten twelve a day and uh so i wanted to get some chickens kylie she wanted to get five six maybe so we go and we go to the feed store and we buy a few and then she goes and there's these ones she likes and she buys a few and then I go and I get a few and pretty quick like we got 20, 30 and then I get to look and there was these certain breeds we wanted and you can get online and order them for $2 for a day old chick and they'll ship them right to your doorstep. Wait a minute, you 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 can order chick you can legit you can order, order chickens, chickens online. online. They'll send them to you day old so that that chick after he hatches, he's got 72 hours before it actually needs to eat or drink because it's still dissolving the yolk. So they ship them as soon as they're dry, and, they, and as long as it gets there within two days. I was going to say, what happens if the mailman gets lost? Well, your chicks die, and I think they have policies to compensate like an insurance for that. Po- okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. But, so anyways, we, we got up to the point uh, this summer where the total head of birds, there was 115. What? We- we're down how about many 115 like 115 115 which is a lot for a little hobby chicken farm what's the average cost of a chicken oh do you know depends like the most them day old chicks were anywhere between two and ten bucks a piece i mean so so in all fairness you got Two three hundred dollars wrapped up in a full blown chicken farm. Yeah, <laughs> but we 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 ate part of them and and sold quite a few of them right. pullets and stuff. And we're down. We've got about fifty head now, um, which is a little more reasonable. Uh, Are they hard to maintain? Not really. Really? No. I don't the, know the anything about chickens other than like The only thing that's challenging about the chickens is they they don't like other chickens that are younger or different or small so like we have to until they get to be all full grown you can't mix them in with the big herd or the, the big ones will just kill them so now so we've got all these little pins of different ages sounds like you got like washington dc lined up there in, in the chicken <laughs> city. sound like politicians they don't like the new ones they don't like the old ones they don't like the ones that are different than they yeah, are I mean, it's basically no DC. joke and if you lock one up for a while with the with a certain group of hens and then throw him back in then he's banished it's it's a it's a terrible deal it's like like the real life version of what was that a uh, little video game that I, the sims 
Like where you build your own little colony, you build your own little town, and I've vaguely all of heard of it. I don't. I haven't done a hard, hardly no video game. You're not a video gamer. No, I I I find that hard to believe. Considering you walk through here with this sweet ass 1970s style mustache, <laughs> it's new. <laughs> it's it's new, but it just you garnish this new respect when you walk down the aisle here. See in Vegas, like <laughs> she's shaking I looked her head. Across she the room and, like I, and and I knew you, but if I didn't know you, there I would have said, I don't know who he is, but he's somebody. <laughs> and you're rocking the cane too, so you got this yeah. old school cowboy thing going on. Let's talk about that. How's the leg? It's it's doing all right. It uh, it's been this has probably been the hardest injury I've ever had to deal with. But let, let's go back, and, and because we have a lot of people that aren't PBR fans that listen to this and don't really know um, what we're talking about, let's go back and kind of explain everything that's happened. So it started. Uh, this is the first year I joined. The PBR tour got took me half of the first part of the season to get on tour, uh, and then we take the little summer break and come back the second event and break my leg, break the tibia bone, smooth in half. So, of course, which is the lower part, right? It's the lower part between the knee and ankle. The bigger bone supports eight, about eighty percent of your body weight. Um, went there to Houston. They they. Uh, done a tibial nail which is basically drill a hole and hammer a rod down through it and put screws in the knee and ankle um basically gave me three months tandy said three months you'll be good which was about two weeks shy of the pbr finals but he said depending on how the x-rays look you can probably come back and ride there which in hindsight had it not been the pbr finals i i wouldn't i would have just said well right we'll just, you'd have we'll took take, a little we'll take four months yeah. make sure it's a hundred percent but when you've got a chance at 30000 a night, I mean, anybody that qualified and thinks they might could ride a bull right. is going to try. Right. So, and I, and I mean, I, I worked as hard as I could to get it to the point where I thought I could ride. And I got on, I mean, I got on seven or eight practice bulls before I went that week before I went. But uh, it, was, it was still a little tender, and I had a little gator deal I had to wear just to keep from getting mashed and stuff. But uh, the, the, main, the thing we didn't, didn't really think about was the the twisting you know when it, you land when, well or, or what happened is that bull stepped literally stepped on my spur and twisted my ankle 90 degrees and which you know you know how often that happens right. in yeah. bull riding yeah, i mean yeah yeah probably 20 30 times throughout the yeah. season and and you 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 hobble and you tweak your ankle and now you're fine because your your bones are at full strength but the the way it all worked out it just sent a spiral fracture up around there and i didn't know i i was afraid that something had happened because it hurts so dang bad i mean it hurt worse than it did the first time i broke it but with that rod in there I, like i walked out of the arena and got back there and tandy's like just come get an x-ray we'll make it we got the machine it's free it's fast like all right whatever so i get down there and tandy's looking at the x-ray and he goes hell you're fine it's not rebroke and i'm like there's no way so I, like i look at the computer and i look i'm like yeah but look above the original break right and there's a deal here and a deal there and it's so you can see like where it had, it had spiral fractured up around there and, and it took it probably another six hours until it really started getting to where i couldn't like it got to the point where i couldn't put no weight on it whatsoever and it was that way for for about 10 12 days before i uh 
started having a bunch of pain in the back of my knee. And because I'd had blood clots in the past and knew what they felt like, I had a pretty good hunch that one had formed. So we went in and got it ultrasounded and sure enough, got a clot from the middle of my thigh down to my ankle, which that sucks. It's scary. I'm on the blood thinners, but in, in the overall deal, it's probably going to end up being a blessing in disguise because of the fact that from the time I started the blood thinners and the time I broke my leg, it's going to give me an extra few weeks to where I think when I do get to come back, when I'm off the blood thinners, I know the leg will be... It's going to force me to be, you know, truly 100% when I come back. Well, and and I, there's never a good time for something like that to happen. But honestly, I mean, it, it might not have been able to come at a better time. You no, know, it's it, kind of the it, downtime. The, the two months of the season where there really isn't any it's not a major event. To. No, no. That, and it, November and December, yeah. there, I mean, there's a couple touring pros and stuff, but uh, – but I'm going to miss January and a good part of February. And, and at this point, probably shoot to be back the 1st of March. Well, and you, now you get to come out here. You get to enjoy, I, I don't know, how long are you here? Three, uh, today and tomorrow. Just Yeah, somebody, somebody's got to go home and take care of the cows. Well, Mom and Dad and Josh are out here <laughs> doing the NFR thing. Well, but okay. I've done it for five years, and Josh has been home taking care of things. That's what so. I was going to say. So you've been here. You qualified to the national finals five different times. Um, and now watching Josh do it, like, how how does that change? I mean, obviously there's excitement qualifying here, but now you just it's get way to be a more nerve wracking. Is it really? I'll tell you that I uh, yeah it I ain't got no control over what what goes on down there. You know, it ain't this ain't like the PBR finals where your dad can come pull your bull rope or your brother can you know it's if you ain't got a back number or a stock contractor badge, you ain't getting down there to be a part of it. It know? really it, like it's drastically different than than what we experience in November. It is. It, it's it's different, and and there's there's pros and cons to each of them. There's things that I like better about one, and things I like better about the other. Uh, you can't. It, it's hard to even compare because it's it's apples to oranges. It's not apples to apples. Yeah. Um. But but like you said, there's pros and cons to both. Like. The, a lot of people get caught up in that whole PBR versus PRCA, and and I think that's the stupidest thing in the world. It is to and, compare the two because you know. And I, you know, and and I can I can say for the, there was a period of time that I didn't have no interest in the PBR, and a big part of it came from the fact, and it affects the fans too because the PBR the way they they have an advantage in the marketing system because they're on TV every weekend. Bingo and. And the PRCA is on TV 10 days out of the year. And they can sit and talk about, oh, so-and-so's came up from rodeo to come here. And so, you know, the PBR fans, you talk to a straight PBR fan. I mean, my dad has a lot of people he knows that talk to me. And they, over the last few years, they asked my dad, when are your boys going to go pro? You know, that's that's the question. But because of the way the PBR is marketed and they have the ability to do that and, and, you know, heaven forbid, uh, J.W. Hart and Cody Lambert and Ty Murray, who they 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 need to remember where they came from. Yep. And, and those are three of my heroes. Yep. But, but watching it, they really turned me off to it, and I see where they came. You know, to where the fans get that too. And and then you know, but the other deal, like Cody Till last year, we have the team Heston signing tomorrow. Last year he'd flew out for it. Now we're sitting there in line, and this lady walks through the line, and 
comes up to Cody and goes, now, are you still doing that PBR thingy? And I mean, I just said, to, oh my gosh, it got me laughing it? so hard. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm still fiddling with that. Like, it's amazing that like some people are so hardcore PBR that they don't see outside of that box. Yeah. But there are so many people, and you can tell by walking around Las Vegas for 10 days, there are so many people that are so focused on these 10 days in rodeo that they don't see the PBR. They don't yeah. see anything else. But they don't see rodeo the rest of the year. Right, bingo. And you that's know, the big difference. They, they they don't really, you know, they have a, probably a few people that they follow. But, that you know, that the big difference that I, I've noticed is that the PBR does such an amazing job of promoting the athletes, whether it be the animal athletes or the, right. the riders. I mean, those fans, like, it, it was a super, super refreshing for me to go around the arena and sign autographs and those people actually I'd been to four events yeah and those people knew who I was bingo yep and and I go to a rodeo and sign autographs for two hours afterwards and three people walk through the line and two of them I high school rodeoed with and the other one I wrestled in high school is how they knew me right yeah and I've been top five in the world for five years bingo and yep. nobody and so it just and you know I, I actually Shortly, I think it was like the second event I went to. I was went down to the bar to have lunch, and Sean Gleason was sitting there, and I got to sit and eat lunch with him and visit with him about it. And my dad talks about it all the time. He's a big fan of the PBR. He watches it, yeah. all of them. He's got them on the recorder deal, and uh, he talks about how like whenever we've been to Denver and the PBR is going on, and he's, uh, he's usually there for the Superior Livestock Auction. Mm-hmm. He's a rep for them, and so he we're in the rodeo that day or whatever and then the pbrs that night and but he says i go back there and i see savano or jb or glaramy or any of them he said i've never met him in person never seen him right in person but when i see him i literally feel like i can walk up and talk to him like i know him yep like hey jb how are you like and and it's because of the way the pbr markets him and when i was talking to sean about that he goes that's exactly what our goal was he said, our goal is for the average person to see you walking down the street and feel like they know you good enough to walk up and say hello. Well, because there's a personal connection that we can all make it. And and I tell you what, ESPN does an amazing job. When they do those 30 for 30s or those E60s or whatever, and it shows you a story about an athlete. Uh, Brian Bosworth, for instance, is a guy, you know, he played at OU, had a, you know, a professional career. And so many people despised him because he was outlandish he was outspoken conor mcgregor is a modern day example of it you know there's people that love the guy and there's people that hate the guy but when you look at him and you see him post some pictures with his little boy and you you see him you know hanging out with his wife or whoever and and having those real life moments then it's like all of a sudden he becomes a real you're person connected he, to he's him. a real human yep. bingo and it changes everything and with that all of a sudden, now there's a whole new door of marketability, which opens up more opportunity, which brings in more revenue, more finances. And, and I think that that is the beauty of what the PBR has been able to capture. And and granted, it's, it's so much easier when you're dealing with one event and an event that you can actually sell that bull riding. You can sell that to somebody who's borderline PETA. Yeah. Because yeah. When, when you really show them what's going on, 
It's like, okay, this animal is too... The bull has the advantage. Yeah, like, extremely. There's Always. nothing you can do uh, to hurt that bull. Yep. And then there ain't very much he can do to you that don't hurt. That's And that's what I've said. Like, bull riding, bullfighting, now, you know, with the BFO and freestyle bullfighting and Shorty's deal, those are the two things in, in Western sports that are so incredibly easy to explain to anybody like you said you know it could be PETA people like I've had animal rights protesters and activists that have come to me and said well you guys do this and you do that and because they're uneducated you know I've invited them in and said come here I want to show you I want to show you what you think it's like the whole Instagram versus reality I want to show you what you think comparative to what is reality really happening and when they see that and they understand that you know what yeah when you think about it it's a 150, 160 pound guy on a good day uh, versus a 16, 17 hundred pound bull, of course he has the advantage. Every single time. There's not one matchup. And, and you can't, no matter how hard you try, if that bull don't want a buck, you can't make That's right. it. That's right. We've tried. <laughs> we, Trust me, we've I'm tried practice bulls out, and they, if they don't want a buck, you cannot make them. I was in the bull business for a minute, and there was a lot of them that I wanted to uh, to do anything more than what they were doing, and and it don't it's, work. It's brutal. <laughs> when you uh, when when you were a kid, did you know this is what you wanted to do? Man, don't on. I mean, I didn't know there was anything else. Really, I I literally I was the when I was ten. I mean, whether whether we're talking farming, ranching, riding bulls, like that is all I've ever wanted to do. Cowboy stuff. Cowboy stuff. Yeah. I mean, when I was ten years old, I still got them. I asked for a pair of fencing pliers and some tie wire. That was what I wanted for my birthday. And I mean, my mom got videos of me going around. We had this little bull. He wasn't a bucking bull. He was a wheelie bull. He had wheels. And you could ride. I mean, we rode that thing. We roped it. We bulldogged it. I preg checked it. I mean, I, that it. Just, I mean, practicing. Yeah, you like, have to practice every aspect of being a rancher. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> I'd put a, I'd put a sock on my arm and 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 preg check that bull. You know, obviously, I knew he was a bull, and it went. But it was it was. I'm looking at your way. wife. Please tell me there's photographic evidence somewhere floating around oh, of what you're saying. Mom, mom's got it, but it, you know that. I, I I only ever I mean I thought I, mean, I wanted to do everything my dad did. My dad rode bulls and he farmed, ranched, and I mean that's that's all I've ever wanted to do was let's, ride bulls. Let's and, talk about your dad. My my dad and not only my dad and my mom both, but like I'm who I am and where I am today because of them. And uh, I mean I I can't even I don't even know where to start, but. I mean, my dad obviously was my first hero. Uh, I can remember my dad. My dad rodeoed in the wilderness circuit. Just went to see. Well, go back another step. My granddad got killed when my dad was a freshman in college, so he took over the family ranch. So it it was either take it over or lose it. And so he kept rodeoing, and but just had to go to stay kind of close to home. But I can remember going with him and. I had a little stint of sheep riding I was no good at, but uh, I can remember him cutting a zip tie off a sponsor sign in, in Moab, Utah, and making a spot for me to peek through the fence to watch him ride. I'm sure I completely forgot. I don't remember watching him ride, but I remember him showing me how to watch him. 
I, I'm sure I got distracted and missed the ride completely. But but I remember little stuff like that, and and I remember he always had that thing, fruit punch Gatorade, and and his traveling partner J.C. Sanders had this the green apple, yeah. and I I can remember the I mean I was four five six years old, but I remember those things you know yeah. the, the taste of that Gatorade and dirt in my mouth behind the buck and shoots and uh you know anyway, but I. I've always wanted to, anything dad did, that's what I wanted to do, you know, and, and, you know, and then growing up, learning how to ride calves and, and bulls and rope and steer wrestle and ride bareback horses. Uh, and we went, when we was high school rodeoing, mom didn't get to go with us because somebody had to stay home, mm-hmm. feed cows, pull calves, yep. you know, take, take care of everything. And, uh, there, I know that was hard on her because she'd she'd have loved to come and watch this, but for her it was you know. There's how much am I going to be able to help you guys? I ain't going to be able to come pull your bull rope. I'm, which now she did the first rodeo I entered in the calf riding. I uh, my dad had to be gone for a superior sale, so we'd we'd practiced for months for this rodeo on these little Holstein calves and. Uh, the day before dad left and the day which was the day before that rodeo mom came out and she dad showed her how to get down in the chute and pull my rope which it wasn't much of a task at that point right. in time but because you're but how old i probably six seven and but she she pulled my rope and uh and i i actually won the calf riding really so so she's won she's at a hundred percent that's the only time she ever pulled my rope and i won first so oh that's oh, awesome. I, maybe i should have took her more often no i don't know uh, but, uh, you know, that was, they both, my parents made an ungodly amount of sacrifices to help us, you know, do whatever we wanted to Isn't do. Isn't that a cool feeling? And they're still doing it today. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Because there's not many guys going that have 150 head of cows and all the, you know, the, the stuff that when I get hurt or it to, when I get done, like I'm going to have something, I'm not going to be ha- going looking for a job. Right. And, and I mean, I couldn't do it without them and, and without my wife. And uh, it's, I have an amazing support team. It's so similar because I'm in the exact same boat. You know, I'm getting to live the dream that I have right now. And it's 100% because my parents were there to support me and say, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to let you sink. You know, get out there, try this. If it's really what you want to do in life, go chase a dream because you don't want to look back and go, Man, I, I wish I would have tried things different, you know? And, and so I think that that's one of the things that all of us in life we take too much for granted is those other people. Yeah. And, and people say bull riding can be a selfish sport, but that's only that's on only when that you given yeah, time period. Yeah. You've got to have support everywhere else. Nobody's ever just, when, I say this, somebody's going to email me and say, oh, well, this guy. No. It, You'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that's ever stepped out on their own 100% and just chased a dream and made that dream become a reality without any help along the way. Yeah. And I think that's what's cool about our sport is because now you see those older guys, the guys, I mean, and and even the the JWs and the Cody's, because doing ride pass with JWs so often, I see so many guys come up and ask him questions and him take the time. Colby Yates, I think Colby Yates would be an incredible coach or a teacher because to be able to analyze and say this, you know, do this, or this is where it went wrong, 
there's a lot of giving back in this industry. No, there is, and that's it comes right back down to I mean, you know, I <laughs> the mentality it clear back to when you're riding and, and I heard that Chase Outlaw said it better than I've ever heard anybody say it at all, and I don't know if you heard it or not. It was but in his it was an interview at the at the PBR finals and, and they asked him something about Jose V, or Jose Vitor clap for him or something. And right. He goes, "Well, hell yeah, we ain't riding, we ain't riding each other." Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's the best way to put it, too. <laughs> you know, you, you hear they, people say, "Well, you know, we're, it's us against the bulls." But Chase Outlaw, he says, "We ain't riding each other." And we all sit in the locker room. And I said, "Boy, it'd be different if we was." <laughs> <laughs> Outlaw, Outlaw is such a character. Oh, like, he is. Did you know him before you started doing? Yeah, I met him and we was actually at the junior high finals together in 2007 i won it and i think he won third that year and then we was at the high school finals together all three the same age so i i knew him up through high school and then i didn't see him a whole lot until again this year but it's i've really enjoyed getting he ain't to be changed around. much no no he, he'd probably do better on his acts back then than he would yeah. today but whatever <laughs> he's a hell of, he's a hell of a talent and like to be able to do the things that he's done and overcome, it's just it's one of those cool stories that, like, I think, and I say this, I've said it on this podcast time and time again, I think it's one of the greatest stories in sports history, any sport. No, it is. And and then how cool was it for him to come back and, and win Cheyenne this yep. year? Isn't that nuts? That's, that's and you can't tell me, you can't tell me that certain things in life aren't a God thing. Because what are the chances? And that's, I don't know, that's not a coincidence to me. No, it's not, and especially so much as in that format, like, you kind of got to draw the right bulls to, you know, I mean, to a, to a certain degree to, to set you up to, to, to win, you know, clear up to win that deal. Yeah. What, uh, what does your week look like on, on a normal bull riding week? Like, when you know that you got to fly out on Thursday or Friday – What's a normal Monday through Wednesday or Thursday? A normal week, like, so, I mean, it just depends on what's going on as far as what needs done with the cows or whatever. But the things that I, I do try to do daily is, uh, I mean, either, either ride horse bareback uh, or get on a couple bucking bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, but I Are do, you a gym guy? Yoga, any of that yes stuff? and no. Uh, like so, I started this year out. I went to the went started going to the gym, and I had a personal trainer, and I learned a lot. And I went, I don't know, three four months. I went pretty heavily, and but then I get to the point where like I kind of I want to do it on my own, and so like I, I work out a lot at home. But I do push ups, sit ups, uh, ride the exercise bike or the actual. I don't know what the the the, the go bike the yeah, one that goes like a regular bike regular bike. Um, and Isn't that weird that we've forgotten what a regular? Well, you know, I guess it, it's a mountain bike, but a, I yeah. I say the exercise bike. You think inside, but I, the, anyway, I'm getting away off track here. But I like and I like to jump rope a lot, you know. And I just I feel like the main thing is I try to do something every day, whether if I don't whether I do a hundred push ups or if I something just active. if I just do something. That little bit of extra that that helps me more than anything mentally. I mean, obviously you can ride bulls without working out. JB Mooney's got two world titles, and but but okay, find me another one. 
Yeah, exactly. Find me another one no, that no, does I, what he does that, that has... That ain't doing something. Bingo. And I'm not saying... I mean, that that's not... I know. That ain't my theory at all. Uh, I I try to do whatever I can to get my body into the best shape that I can. For the, Just for the fact that, uh, one, I know how much it helps me mentally, and two, I know when my muscles are, are hard and they're in good shape, it's almost like they're more elastic. Like, if you get stepped on or hit, you... You may bruise, but it's like they heal faster. It don't hurt as bad. It, I mean, the worst thing rodeoing was when in the middle of the summer you get banged up a little bit and you're jumping the car and drive 12 hours and get on another one and then jump in the car and drive another eight hours and you're sore and you just get sore. If you can get out and be moving and doing stuff, you can work that soreness out, get that blood flow going. And So that, I mean, I try to, depending on how much, I mean, there's days of work that, working on the ranch that i don't need any extra physical activity when i get in at night i'm ready for bed but i tr- i make sure if it ain't one of those days i'm doing something on top of it made me think of something uh, you know about our conversation earlier the difference between rodeo and pbr and um for me it quickly became go to the airport fly to a city go to the hotel go to a building and then reverse back to the airport back home and we'll do it again next week and i always in the beginning of my career and and even now i kind of crave that getting behind the wheel and driving from point a to point b even if it takes a day or two like like i have this craving for that and i think that a lot of rodeo people have that but like you've done both yeah i i and i was a guy rodeoing that (laughs) I'd get sick of driving, so I go to flying, and then pretty quick, I'm just so sick of not having my own vehicle and being able to go and do my own thing, and I've got to wait till I get to the airport. So then I just want to drive, and then I, I get sick of driving, and I'm ready to fly. And yep. But it's been the thing that I, I – and I learned something about myself rodeoing. You know, the first year I went and rodeoed, I went to – I think I went to 100 and, 105 rodeos, and I didn't, didn't make the NFR. And then I think I went to 94 in 2014 was the first year I made it. And then I pretty well proceeded to go to about 10 less every year. But And what I learned about myself was I was winning more money and riding better when I was home for three or four days, gone for three or four days. Yeah. Home for three or four. Yep. And so it was like, okay, why am I entering all these rodeos during the week when – I, you know, it's like I do better when I'm fresh. You use that time to recoup so that you're better prepared when you get to the weekend. And and the, the most money I'd ever won when I, I came came in here with 140000 I'd only went to 57 rodeos. Right. And part of that, I was actually, I was out for a month or two with an injury, but but it was during the spring when there's not, a you, guy wouldn't have went to 10 more rodeos anyway. But so that was something that I learned about myself was that I, I do do better when I'm fresh. And and that's one of the things that attracted me to the PBR was the fact of, okay, like I've really, I'm 27 years old. And like, if I'm still riding bulls when I'm 30, I want it to be because I want to be, right. not because I don't have anything. I don't, right. I, ha- I have nothing else. Right. I want, I still, if I'm doing it then it's because I want to, I, I want to do it. And it's 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 kind of sad to see, but we see it so often. Guys get so consumed with trying to make what they can right now, 
and you see a guy get hurt and you know there's that tough cowboy mentality and, and you know it's a little different than your situation obviously the world finals you talk about 30,000 a night that's that's a lot of money but guys that'll say yeah it's still broke but I got to get on you know because I have to and I'm not saying that's always the case but we do see it a lot you know a guy has to keep going because you know financially he has to or versus I'm going to take the time off heel so that I've got a better chance of winning when I'm 100%. Yeah. We see it all the time, and it's frustrating to me as a fan because I'm a guy that believes everybody that is on that major league tour, everybody that shows up here for 10 days in December deserves these six-figure contracts. Like, they deserve, you know, whether it's a sponsorship, whether it's an endorsement deal, media, whatever it is, but I feel like... When you get to that level, like you should be guaranteed, you know, a six-figure contract of some sort. Something. I mean, I was tickled to get three hundred and fifty-five bucks for showing up. That, yeah, I mean, there's some to truth paying two twenty. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's know, another thing people don't realize. Yeah, you know, you, these guys. I mean, that's you know, and once again, we're comparing apples to oranges. But rodeoing. I mean, if you're going to rodeo hard enough to make the NFR, you're going to spend over twenty thousand dollars in entry fees, and that's just entry fees. I mean, hell, that's that's a good chunk. That's almost half of what I won this year in yeah. earnings. Yeah. <laughs> Which, granted, I spent a lot of time hurt and stuff, and but uh, it's it's expensive. Let me ask you this: We'll, we'll kind of change direction real quick. Uh, have you ever done an interview that they didn't somehow, some way, shape, or form bring up Lane? Here you go. <laughs> I mean, I had to. No, uh, because. Because, and I'll say this selfishly, when you first started coming to the PBRs, like, I'm a rodeo fan. So every chance I can, I go to rodeos. And not to be disrespectful, but it would piss me off. It pisses me off to see, you know, whether it's your situation or this is so-and-so's McKinnon Wimberley. I saw a minute ago, and, and it was always, well, that's Joe Wimberley's boy. Or, no, it's not. This is this is the guy we're looking at right now. Forget about all that other shit. Like, let's focus on the athlete that's doing the job. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I I guess my thing is I always I always can tell it. Which and Grant, I have no. I mean, I'm I'm proud to be related to right. Lane and, right. and my whole family legacy. Like, I love every bit of it, and I don't know what it's like to not be related to Lane or to not get asked that question, but. From my point of view, people like you, media people, that's how I can tell how much time they put into preparing themselves for an interview with me. Did you just, I'll just ask him about Lane, or did you actually think about, you know, you put a little effort into being a good media guy? Do you care? Yeah. Yeah, And that, I, I, I guess maybe that's what it was, especially from my point of view, because and, I mean, you've been around long enough that you now know, you know, Chase, Jess, Coop, JB, they all know. Like, I genuinely care about telling the stories of my friends. And all the guys in the locker room are my friends. Jose, you know, Galermi when he was around, like, they understood. Hell, I tried to learn Portuguese and then remembered I'm from Oklahoma, and that shit's hard. Um, But it's like, I I don't know. I just got so frustrated. And then I went to a rodeo one time, and I heard it was when JB had his PRCA permit, and I heard an announcer, he's already won a world title at this point. I heard an announcer say, here's a rookie from North Carolina. 
And that's all he said about him. And it just drove me insane. Like, it drove me nuts. Because you can't erase the fact that he's won a PBR world title. You can't erase the fact that Cody Teal's won a PRCA title. You can't erase the fact that you've qualified to five national finals rodeos. Why? Those are important steps. Well, and I remember when Dustin Elliott was was yeah. riding on the PBR. Yep. And my gosh, them, and it might, I don't know, I'm going to say it probably wasn't you, but them TV commentators, no, I mean, it Dustin was like, it old was as like hell. pulling their teeth yep. to get them to say he was a world champion. Yep. Yep. And, 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 and he was. I mean, it, it wasn't like, and, and yeah, but... <laughs> I no, I agree. I, anyway, and I, I just, but I, I think that's a, you know, and I always, I, I try to take that question, which, and and the the one time that I really regret that I messed up, and it, and it was all because I didn't understand, but it was during the CBR World Finals in Cheyenne, and I get a text from this lady at the media and says, hey, they want to do a TV interview with you for the CBR World Finals, so like I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do this TV interview promoting the CBR World Finals. So I go into this, and I mean, I'm sure these guys probably thought I was a complete idiot, because every question they asked me, it was about Lane, to one degree or the other. And I'm taking this question, and I'm circling it back to what a great event the CBR World Finals is, and how you gotta go get tickets and come right. watch, yep. and you're gonna see the greatest bull riders riding the best, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, and these guys can't for the life of them. Well, come to find out, that's not what it was about. It was a deal on the 30th anniversary of Lane getting killed in Cheyenne. So here I am, like, I have all kinds of great things to say about that, but I, but the lady told me I was supposed to be promoting the PBR, right, or the CBR yeah. finals. So, my gosh, I was just like, what? That's like saying, hey, we're going to go talk about bull riding, and then you show up and they start talking about NASCAR. Yeah. Like, just give me a heads up. Yeah, let me know, and I can try. I mean, yeah, I was just, I was, I was sad, or not sad, but I was a little upset when I seen the, when I seen it, the video deal, because like, they had like one little clip of something they could use that I said right. because, right. But I went in there thinking that, you know, I mean, I wish someone would be like, hey, you do realize what we're doing, right? Like, <laughs> but they didn't, you know, and so that was one time that I felt bad about it because it made it look you know to me like i was ashamed of it or didn't right, want to talk right, about it and it wasn't that it was that i thought i had a job to do and i was in there trying right. to, yep. to make that right because but, it is it is as an athlete in any sport when they tell you hey we're in cheyenne today or we're in seattle today or, or vegas or houston wherever it's at and they say you're gonna go do this interview it's i i feel like it's twofold it's one to inform and educate and two it's to draw people in and sell tickets. And you were doing your job. Yep. And the other thing I enjoy, speak, talking about media people and them girls whenever they ask you questions and stuff, and this drives my wife nuts when I do it. But a lot of times, like, when I go into an interview, like, I know what I want to say. And so, like, I don't, it don't really matter what they ask. Right. <laughs> to get to my answer. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll just say whatever answer I want. And then... <laughs> And sometimes you just, you can see their look in their eyes. They're so stumped, you know, because a lot of times you're live. <laughs> Kylie, Kylie goes, so Kate Harrison probably thinks you're the biggest idiot in the world. <laughs> you can't, because you never answer her questions right. I can't, I can't, I'm going to start forcing interviews 
in the arena now. I'm just going to walk over and start talking to you and just see what you come up with. But, I mean, and, and I think athletes in Western sports don't realize that things like that, Stetson Lawrence figured it out, you know, the last couple of years, just stopping by that ride pass booth and saying something stupid to make fun of me. All of a sudden, fans are, like, drawn to him, and they want to talk and, and, and get to see those personalities. And so that changes everything. No, it does. It, it I, And I learned that early on. Uh, you know, a lot of my heroes were the worst interviewers in the world. Yeah. Robert and Billy Epbauer. Yep. I mean, the greatest bronc riders ever to walk. But uh, I – and what got me, and I ain't saying I'm great at any of it, but I I put a lot of effort into being better. Because when I won the junior high national finals in 2007, I was it was the worst interview. I mean, and I don't you've probably noticed I blink a lot. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's it's whenever I get it's a habit mostly, but when I if I get a little nervous yep. or anxious or embarrassed. Yep. Boy, my eyes go to watering, and I mean, they, they go to blinking bad. And when I, when I, I mean, watching it on TV, I was so embarrassed because I mean, my eyes were run. I looked like I was crying and just blinking. And all I said over and over is, "Well, I just did what I could. I just did what I could." Tell us about that ride. Well, I mean, I was a good bull, and I just did what I could. And I mean, I just kind of shuffled my feet, and I was so embarrassed watching it back. And so, I mean, I, I got on YouTube and I watched a lot of videos of. Donnie Gay and you know guys that yeah that took, a long took time the microphone and and done a good interview and so I try you know I, I tried to emulate some of that stuff to where at least I wasn't embarrassed by what I said or hey, the way I that's thought. how I got into this profession no kidding because and people at home will tell you my parents will still tell you the most shy human being you've ever met in your life. And I, uh, a guy named David Wesson back home there in Oklahoma forced me to announce, I mean, literally forced me to announce a little junior bull riding, you know, and these kids, uh, 17 and under, mutton bust and calf riding and everything. And I hated it. I hated it so bad. I didn't like talking in front of people. And I still clam up and get really nervous. If it's a small group, man, I get so nervous. That's sometimes almost worse. It's so worse. If you put me in front of, I've got to speak to, all of the Wrangler and Dorsey's next week, and I'm I'm as nervous as I can be about. Oh, at the brunch? Yep. I'm as nervous as I can be about. I spoke, I got asked to go to my high school, gradu- like my high school that I graduated from. They asked me to speak at their graduation last year. A couple hundred people in a high school gym. I've, I've announced at AT&T Stadium. I've done the PBR finals. I've been to Madison Square Garden. I've been in other countries. Not one time have I ever been as nervous as I was to speak at that graduation. <laughs> it's I just so it. different, you know. And and you can see those eyeballs looking at you, and it's like, ugh, ugh. So it's nerve wracking. It really is. And I spent a lot of time doing the same thing. First few years of my career, I stole, and I would, I go back and I playfully do it now, but I'd be. Loses a handle because all those old school rodeo guys would would say little silly things like that. But if if somebody's listening to this right now, um, give them a little behind the curtains. Give them a little uh, something that they that nobody would ever know about you. Oh man! Or do I need to divert this one to her? Do I need to ask her? You might. That might be a good because I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty open book, but I don't. Yeah, everybody. Hang on, hang on. Say, say, no, say that again. Everybody knows about your chickens at this point, so I guess that's really all they need to yeah, know. Yeah, I got my. Oh, I gotta know. Do you name your chickens? 
We, oh boy. Oh. <laughs> we, I think we've actually only got one, well, we've got two, Muchacho and Helga, two, two out of the 50 that are named. What, what are they? Muchacho and Helga. And Helga? She's what? She's ugly. <laughs> She's ugly. So I didn't Helga. name them. Kylie named both of them. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got, where'd, where'd the names come from? I don't know. Muchacho, like I get Helga because Muchacho Helga, had a mustache when he was a chick. Yeah. Feathers made it look like he had a mustache, so we thought Muchacho. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I didn't figure either one of you to be the drug kind of people. <laughs> yeah, a chicken had a mustache. Well, it, it was when he's a chicken. <laughs> You're blinking the, a lot now. Yeah, this is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so Muchacho and Helga. They doing okay? They're they're doing all right. Okay, good, yeah. good. I've I've also got a, I guess I've gotten into training some cow dogs lately, and I, I have a, and anybody that really knows me probably knows this about me. I'm I'm a kind of almost an obsessive person. Anything I get into, I go all in, like head over heels. And yeah, that's why you had 115 chickens yeah, running around. Yeah, so we got I I got one dog in June, and I've got three and one on the way now. So I, it's been six months, and oh. they're just so you guys are expecting. Yeah, a, a puppy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I I know that uh, obviously you're a social media guru. Well, I wouldn't say you're that. I go through spurts. Right. Uh, it's funny because every once in a while I'll see and I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's killing. Joe's getting into he's, it. He's, he's getting oh, into it. And did then, he die? Did is Joe? Is Joe still around? Is he still doing that PBR or, or, or bull riding thingy? Yeah. Uh, if if somebody's not already, how do they find you? Uh, I mostly on Instagram, official Joe Frost. That's that's where I do most everything. I do a little bit on Facebook, just Joe Frost fan page. Facebook's become MySpace to me. It's like it, like it kind of is. A people little yell at me all the time, and they're like, "I commented or I sent you a message." I check I my Facebook. At it. Yeah, I check my Facebook maybe once a month. Yeah, it's so bad. It's gone bad. Instagram is so much easier to use anyway. If you don't have Instagram, get an Instagram. It's like a picture book. It's yeah. like when you're a kid. Just give me a menu that has all the pictures and, on it and less ads. And it's yeah, it's it's much much easier to use. Well, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Heal up. Um, have a big 2020. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. I appreciate you having for having me on. I actually, uh, your podcast is the podcast that got me interested in podcasts. And I mean, I've only done two, but listening to them, uh, the one you did with Adriano back in January was uh, that one was really great. I I was a big fan of Adriano when I was a kid, and I, I actually got to meet him at the PBR finals this year. So, oh really? You had it, never met him? I hadn't. I hadn't met him. I'd met a lot of them guys at one point or the other. They used to have that PBR in Vernal, but I hadn't met Adriano, and and there, and I hadn't met Ty Murray until Albuquerque, and that was a big one. Really? For me. Ty, Ty was probably one of the guys I. You know, tried to pattern a lot of my riding after more than anybody, and and so I've got to meet a lot of guys that I looked up to and hadn't got to meet till this year. I've never told this story, and I don't think anybody ever knows, but uh, I went to a PBR the year I graduated high school in 2000. Jeez, I just said that out loud. Anyways, the year I graduated high school, and in Springfield, Missouri, they had Ty Murray and Luke Snyder there signing autographs, and um, hell, Luke was my age. Uh, but I remember going, and I still to this day have the picture or the poster from that bull riding event that Ty signed. I've never even told Ty that, but it, it's crazy now that we're around those guys because 
I mean, they they were my heroes too. Oh yeah, I mean they was. Yeah, I Did mean, I, 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 I haven't took a picture with him, but I assume I'll get to see him again. Um, but yeah, I mean, to. I read all read all his books cover to cover fifteen times. I mean, I yeah, Ty, Ty was kind of my that's the, cool my the guy I looked up to the most. But all them guys, I mean, I and I think because of Lane, I grew up looking up to the guys that were two generations back of when I actually grew yep. up. Yep. But uh, those were the guys that I looked up to when I started announcing. I went to Clint McSpadden. And I would sit and visit with Clem for hours, and I asked him time and time again. And the first piece of advice, and, and really the only piece of advice he ever gave me, was I'd say, you know, give me, just give me advice. Tell me, tell me something. And he'd say, take pictures with everybody you work with, with everybody you've ever wanted to meet, or everybody you think is just pretty cool to be around. Because someday you'll look back, and want those memories to see for yourselves, to show your kids, to show your grandkids. And I would sit in his office and look at pictures and pictures, and 90% of them were black and white pictures, but he had them. And that was the biggest piece of advice. And and we have this kind of macho thing where it's like, you know, well, I hate to ask somebody for a picture. I'm a grown-ass man. Yeah, that's I, a, I do it. That's a really good idea. And a, a similar piece of advice, another guy that I looked up to and helped me a lot is Denny Flynn. And uh, when I went, first time I got to go and stay with him in Fort Smith, he's got all these photo albums. And, I mean, everybody's got the photo album with all their pictures of them riding bulls. Well, Denny's got more pictures of the guys that he rode with. He said, just buy a picture of your buddy and have him sign it. Yep. And stick it in there. He goes, you'll be glad you did. It's funny you say that because now that I have the gym, that's, what, that's how we're decorating the walls is I'm going to have pictures of all of my buddies around the top. So oh, that, that's cool. It's a, I want it to be kind of like a little museum in, yeah, in the middle that, of the that, that will That'll be neat. Well, man, it's, it's been cool. I appreciate it. I really do. I appreciate this. We've talked about it since you said the first time you had listened to the podcast. I was like, I oh, got to have you The first time I one. ran it, met you in person. Yep, I told it, you. It really was. That was an awesome podcast. I, I remember that. And uh, and I told you that day, I was like, well, we need to do one together. And we so I've wanted to do this for quite a while. Well, I've so been too. I'm glad we got to do this. Uh, enjoy your little time off. I know it's it's not what you want to be yeah. doing, but you'll be back soon enough and, and you'll have a big year next year. Yep. We're looking and forward to it. Give our best to uh, Helga and oh, Muchacho. Hell. See you, buddy. Thanks, Matt.